This is my Bible. Is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I am enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Got through it. Amen. And now you may be seated um, as we get ready to get into the text a little bit as we go forth. So why this text, right? So uh, at the beginning of the year in December, um, God spoke to me. We always start a New Year resolution, but he told me that I need to finish what I started. In essence, he looked at me and told me, there's many things I've done in my life, Sister Jasmine, many things he's told me to do, and I never finished them. Uh, so he kind of prophetic spoke to me and told me I need to get out there. And before I take on anything else new, I need to finish what I started. And as when we look at our lives, sometimes, Sister Jasmine, about a lot of things in our life we finish, we never started. And even though we say we're work undone, it's not because God is not done. It's not, it's not God's problem that we're not done. It's our problem that we're not done. And so you can look at the house that Marcus got there. Can you imagine living in that house? Can you imagine living a life like that? But I want you to take that house, right, and start looking at our temple and start looking at the spiritual part of our life. And our spiritual part of life is undone. It's undone. So when God looked at that, Brother Anthony, what he sees, he sees an undone vessel. An undone vessel that have not finished what it started. But we're not going to make, we're going to take, we're not going to spiritualize everything, right? We're going to make it simple. So, so Jesse, let's go back and look at, can you imagine women when you live in a house under construction and renovation? How frustrating that is, how the dust, and you're just terrible, and you just can't get it because everything is undone, and you just can't wait till it get done, right? You just can't wait to the finished product, right? So we know as we go through, as God tries to renovate us, can't, we know there's a finished product that in the end is going to look good. But oftentimes, so suggested when we go through life, we don't let that finished product come to be. For some reason, we said, no, don't finish me. I'll, I can't handle it. I can't handle the pain. I can't handle the walk. I just don't finish me. I'll just walk like this, undone. And I will smile in everyone's faces, and I'll tell everybody, Jesus is good, Lord is good. But in actuality, I'm undone. And I'm not undone because God didn't unfinish me. It's because I didn't let God finish me. So in the end, when we look at life, I'm going to get ahead of myself too often when we die, right? We always look at them and say, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But I believe that God look at me and look at it in two categories. I believe he look at me as I'm finished, or did I finish or not finish? See, I think if we were to put on our tombstone, finish or not finish, I think it would make a difference on how we look at the gospel. It would make a difference how we look at our life because oftentimes, no matter what man says about us and no matter what man think about us, man is not the true judge of us at all. So whether, whether Pastor Bolton said, Rodney, you did a good job, doesn't mean anything to me because the only person that really matters to suggest is what, is what the great creator thinks about me because that's the only one that counts, right? And that's the one that's going to judge us, right? So we're going to get into it tonight a little bit. And I think God wanted to bring us to a level. I'm probably going to preach more today than I expect to. But I think God going to bring us to a level that we got to get real complacent in some things in our lives. And I think that we think we have more time than we really have. And we ain't getting at it no more. And we're not getting that stuff no more. We're not getting that stuff in our marriages no more. We're not trying to get stuff right no more. We're just going along to be along. And I think God, Sister Jess, wants to go farther than that. I think God's still trying to build my character, that my character is not all what it needs to be right now. And you know what? I'm going to lay there, and you know what? He's going he gonna to prophesy to me and say, if things ain't working right in my life, Sister Jess, it's probably because, Sister Jess, is that I have not finished what I started. Amen, Cliff. So if we look at this, and we look at this, we want to look at it from, I want you to start reading the Bible, not from a history book perspective, because we read the Bible from a history book perspective, Cliff, and we don't read it from an instruction manual. See, everything in the Bible should be a manual. When you read it, now that I read it, let me go do it. 
Not when I read, let me go talk about it. It says the manual. So, Major, if you're putting a bike together and all you did was just read the instruction manual and you never did anything with it, you would know everything about that bike, but you never put it together. So we got to get past this point in our lives that we start putting something together. Then I want to, as we get into it later on, we're going to talk about how to build us up and things... Hey, God talks about how to build up. And I know I'm way ahead of myself because we didn't even look at the scripture yet. So I know I flew out here and ready to go. But let's slow it down and get to the scripture. And you know what I want you all to do? We're going to do it together. We're going to go ahead and read the scripture together, right? On the screen because I need you to be with me in this. Because I need you to be feel me. I need to feel you today. And you need to feel me. So I don't want you just looking at me. You need to be in this thing with me together because this is a prophetic word for everybody, not just for me. So you got to get past this. This is When that word is spoken, that word not just spoken to him, her, him. It is spoken to everybody. And only time you can get something out of something when you get into something. But if you sit back and just stare and watch, guess what you're going to do? You're just a spectator. I don't need a spectator. I need players today. I don't need no more fans. I got enough fans. Oh, they haven't even started clock yet. I know I got good time. Thank you, Mark. But let's go ahead and read Hey God chapter, the book of Hey God. Then I'll explain to you what it is. Then we'll explain what it, what's going on here. And read together on the count of three. One, two, three. Ready, read. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Next slide. Okay, that's. Oh, here we go. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up in the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Amen. So as we look at that story right now, let's talk about the context of the story so we can set the stage. And I know the clock has started now, so I need to get on it. So let's talk about the context of this story, what happened here. So as you look at this story, you know what, Marcus, let's do something else. Rotate Valerie, I always get you. Let's go to why we believe the Bible. I'm going to skip something in a minute because I need to teach a little bit before I get into it. Uh, so. so that's a slide that comes up saying why we believe the Bible. So everybody asks the question, why do you believe the Bible? And I found out just, so just this guy, Bodie Bachman, who I listen to occasionally, he gave the very reason why you should believe the Bible. Because people can ask you in today's world why you believe the Bible. Young people have been asked all the time, why do you believe the Bible? Why do you believe the Bible? And you can't say, I believe the Bible because my parents said so. You can't say, I believe the Bible because that's what they told me. They want you to be able to defend the faith on why you believe the Bible. And so I'm going to leave that here for when I leave, and Marcus can pass it out and get it on ramp to everyone else. But I want you to understand that as we fight this gospel together, defend this gospel according to 3 Peter, we have to understand what we believe and why we believe is true. And so now that you understand that, let's go back, Mark. We'll show it. We'll give it out later, Mark. It's just advertisement. So let's talk about Haggai. So in the book of Haggai, there's two chapters, 38 verses. And you look at Haggai. Haggai is a prophet that God sent down to the people of Jerusalem, Major. And he sent down made to the people of Jerusalem to tell them they had stopped building the temple and, and they had stopped for 10 years. And he told them they need to start back building the temple. But, but the story go deeper, Cliff. So really the story picks up, Sister Jess, and you read that, and you, in one of my studies with you, you read that in Exodus chapter 4, actually Exodus 3 and 4, 3 through 6, the Bible talks about this whole story, what happened going on here. That these people, Brother Jay, that these people, they was in exile, they was in Babylon for 70 years. And so oftentimes when you hear those favorite verses, you like to hear like Jeremiah 29 and 18, for I know the plans of your life to prosper and keep you. He actually not talking about us. And that's another story too, because what he's talking about, he's talking about these people here. He said, I had you in bondage for 70 years, and now I'm trying to get you out of bondage that you've been in Babylon so long, and I'm going to pull you out. So you're going to have a story. When you start thinking about Sister Jess and Nehemiah and Exodus and all those stories about building the wall, so we're setting the stage, right? So they came to, they remember King Nebuchadnezzar took the Jews, because what, what did God, people always get in trouble, God always sent a nation to Babylon to get them, right, Cliff? 
Jess. And so as you look at that, so every time Christians, all of something happened, he always sent another nation to spank us, to get us, to capture us, to teach us a lesson. And you're going to find that over and over again. So the theme Israel, God's people, you out God's people, they hadn't been acting right, and they ended up in Babylon for 70 years. And so now what happened, they got a, they got a break. Jeremiah 29, 11 said, I'm going to let you go. And he's letting them go right now. They're going to prophesy. Don't worry. Just hold on 70. Mean, as Sister Jess tell me, mean a completion, perfection. Anything you see the word seven is a perfection. It's completed. That's why you have seven weeks. That's why you do seven days a week. It's completed. That's why when you go through pregnancy, there's a time frame that everything happens that gets completed. But as we want to spend, we won't, we, won't, we won't proofread that enough. But the Bible talks about then as they got out, he allowed them to go build the temple. And he said, they go back to Jerusalem and you can build the temple. Before they built the temple, he wanted them to build the altar first in the temple. And then, now, and then and, and Nehemiah will come back and build a wall now in the city. So if they started, they left, built. But what happened was they started building the temple in, in Ezra chapter 3. And then they were building, but you know some people got upset with them. Uh, some people that were there and say, no, you shouldn't be building the temple. You know some haters and Satan got, got upset when they shouldn't be building that temple. But they, and then so what happened in Ezra chapter 4, as Sister Jessica knows, because she's in one of my classes, at Ezra chapter 4, she know, they know that they got, a, the king, they got the king to sign a decree, lied on them, and say they can't stop building. So this way you get to where they stop building. And so now they stop building, Sister Thelma, they stop building for 10 years. And so now you pick up the prophet of Haggai in the book of Haggai, and Haggai come and tells you what God told them. But they're going to get interesting because I think we have stopped. So that's why I don't want you to follow this story from Haggai. I want you to follow the story from you, me, and striving in our lives. Have we stopped, and who told us to stop? And we're going to talk about why we stopped. But right now, they went through a sister just then in Exodus chapter, Ezra chapter 5, and then they start back. That's why Haggai came in the picture in Ezra 5, and he told them, he said, you need to go back and start building. And then they start building without the king's permission and the temple. And in Ezra, Ezra chapter 6, that's when they, got, they finish it and they got approved to build. So that's where the story ties into now. The story more about why that's what went on. So now I want you to apply it to our lives a little bit. Now that a prophetic word from God come, and like God prophesied, spoke to me, he's going to speak to you today on finishing what you started. And we're going to talk about that now, and talk about that it's been 10 years, 15 years, that we not finish what we started. And because we not finished what we started, he's not getting full capacity out of none of us. Because we got to finish what we started. So when you look at that story, there are some major things in this story we're going to talk about. We're going to say, you, you, God must be honoring first. We know that God has to be honoring first. You're going to find this story. The next story, is we're going to talk about worship a little bit. And it's going to be different than what you think a little bit. And then we're going to do obedience. Complacency leads to disobedience. And we're going to talk about sin, faith, and faith. So let's get right into the story. Why did they stop? I want to know why did they stop, right? So we know why did they stop. For one reason, they stopped. Why they stopped? They stopped because well, they got a decree to say, don't do it. Stop building, right? But God didn't tell them that, didn't Sister Jesse? <laughs> See, God told them to build. Man said, stop building. So because they heard from man, they stopped building. And so when you look at that in our lives, sometimes Sister Jesse, our life, and I told her I'm going to pick on her today because she's, she's, she's right there. Our lives are not valued. Our values are not aligned sometimes with God. So our values drive our priorities, believe it or not. What you value is what you do. You set your priority to do. If I value playing golf major, I'm going to prioritize my life so I can make sure I get a round of golf in. If I value this football game, basketball came in later today, I'm going to make sure that I do everything else to try to get there allowed. If I value dating somebody today, I'm going to make sure I find that time, Sister Jess. So what happened, our, their value, Latanya, was not on the thing of God. 
So in our lives, we got to look at our value. It don't, I don't mean to say you love God. Your word, your actions speak for you. It's your action. It's not what you're saying. God is saying your value, what you value. If you value doing something else on Wednesday night, you do something else on Wednesday night. If you value not coming to church on Sunday, you do something else. You say, I don't need it. That's not more valuable than what I'm doing. If you don't value reading the word, you're not going to value reading the word. So we got to get past this. God already knows your value drive what you do. So for me, he said, Rodney, you got to rearrange your values. Because your value, because you want to get up here where I am, but yet God, you down here, Rodney, to get up here, you got to rearrange some values. Because it would be like the symbols Christmas of right here. Right? We got saved, and we start, and this is the save role. Right here, Sister Jess, this is the save role. We just... For 20 years, 30 years, we just on the same road. It's nothing required to be saved. You just do it. The next row right here, you say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm saved now, and I'm going to go, go to church and read the Bible. And they just own this row for 20 years, own this row, own this row. And they own this row. And they almost, and then they fall and go down because they're not going up because it's tougher when you go up. So they always fall down, and then they... And then, and then we get up here on this road, and this road where the hard road. This is the lack of this is the this is the road right here where it say the, the ministers and everybody else to suggest we here. We committed to suggest we say we love God, we speak everything to suggest, but we ain't walking in faith to suggest because these two roads here. See the promises up here, Sister Jesse. See, we want the promises, Sister Jesse, but we want the promise to come to us, but we don't want to struggle to go to the faith. See, we don't want to go through it to get the promise. So we preach from the gospel, the promise is gonna to come to you. No. No. Oop, to get up to that promise, you got to get to the next row. So the next row where he got me, I suggest, I was here. But so suggest, he said, I got to get you here. I got to get you here. When I get you here, now your worship is different. When I get you here, now your reading is different. When I get you here, now your faith has to be different. When I get you here, now you got to totally walk by faith and not by sight what you feel. Let me get out of it. But when you, you, you get it for a fall. When you get you here, see, you understand? You want this, the promise, the gift, joy, happy, peace. But you still here. You want the best marriage in the world up there, but you still down here as a boy. All right, so God got me on that one. You got it. Here, I won't be belabor that point. But you see where we're going is that I got to grow spiritually. I got to finish what he started in me, begun a good work in me in Philippians 1 and 6. See, he began a work in me in Philippians 1 and 6, but he began, he gave me an indulgable spirit pastor talk about that the spirit should have gotten me up here now. See, I should already be filled up now and got here because he gave me a spirit and a power to get here, Cliff, because up here, this is what Jesus is. See, up here, this is what the greatest of greatest is, and we got to get there. But you don't get there just praying for it. See, you don't get there just asking for it. You don't get there being lazy. See, you don't get there being comfortable. You don't get there without sweat, without sacrifice. You don't get there without going through trials and tribulations. You don't get there unless you go through stuff and you put the effort and time in to get there. Got to finish what I started. So then we look at that with Sister Jess, and then we talk about something else that we're complacent. See, you know what complacency means? Complacency is falling asleep while the enemy is about to ambush you. Falling asleep while the enemy about the ambush. You can't make it a little bit plain. So some people in their marriage is right. They just complacent, complacent, complacent. And then they complacent. And then after a while, they wonder why this happened. Because the enemy about the ambush because they got too comfortable in doing nothing. And so as you look at it now, we have got to a point, mode that we, everybody talk. We talk, we discuss, we talk, we talk. But we're not in a mindset to fight. So if the enemy came today, men of us are not prepared to fight. That's why you call 911 help. And that's why you call for prayer all the time, because you have been complacent. If you're not complacent, you don't, you always, always praying. 
You don't have to call nobody to pray for me if I'm not complacent. Because God will reveal and show you that the enemy was on his way. See, when you understand when the enemy is on his way, see, you are not, you can't get blindsided. But we just make everything good. Devil, you don't bother me, I won't bother you. The devil, you're a liar. You think the devil's not going to bother you. But that way we got this peace thing going on. Devil, don't bother me, I won't bother you. I won't touch you, devil, you don't touch me. And then the devil starts touching your kids. And then we start, what's wrong with our kids? See, Satan has learned something quick. I don't need to stop you off. I need to stop the next line in the generation line. You understand why I'm here in a minute, why, why, we got, why I got to go where I'm going next in my next assignment. See, Satan's goal is, I know Sister Jesse is saved. I know each every one of you are saved. How do I break the line? How do I break the line? So if I could get your kids, I got your grandkids. I got your great-grandkids. I got your great-great-grandkids. You know the tragedy of life is all you all get in heaven, and 40 years from now you say, where's my kids? See, he can't. Yes, exactly. He sees that you can't see. You got to get past that. He know you saved. He's not worried about that no more. He worried about how do I get to the next generation that not saved. So while we in here, he's worried about what your, what your kids are doing out there through the airway, through social media, through all this and that. So as we get into it, we can't be complacent. And another thing we got to understand is the reason we, didn't, we stopped, like they stopped major, is because there was obstacles. As soon as obstacles come in our life, as soon as it gets hard, Sister Shirley, we stop. And But one thing about it, you're going to learn out, you're going to learn, learn real quickly. Cliff, can I get you? Major, Lathan, can I get you? Can I get you to get those for me? Get four of those. Those, those right there. I'm gonna tell you where to put them. These obstacles. You get two. You get two. So the life of the cliff. I want yours right here and here. Lathan, I want yours over here. So there can be two. One here, one there. Yeah, cliff. Perfect. One there and one here, cliff. And Lathan, yours right there. Behind. So in life, you gotta understand. Let's move these over a little bit. So I can see it. Okay, you're fine. Thank you. So it like perfect. So in life, you gotta understand, and we learned this again, that an obstacle in your life happens. You gotta understand things you can control and things you can't control. And and major know where I'm going with this. Things you can control and things what you can't control in life. The things that you can control in life, you don't pray for. You just do it. Things you can't control in life, you pray for and they become God's problem. So there's God's problem. These are your problems. When we have lack of faith is God want to move on your life and fix that problem. But because of your lack of faith, he cannot, he cannot solve that problem because your problem of lack of faith haven't been solved. Once you say lack of faith, don't have, once you turn over the faith, that obstacle now becomes God's problem. See how, you, see how we lock ourselves in? So let me make it a little bit more plain for you. So as obstacles come in your life, you've got to understand this. Problem come in your life. You have to know, for me, let me make it plain. I'll give you a better example. So me. So, so suggesting uh, when I was 40 years old, 16 years ago, well, 15 years ago, uh, I got out of the military, and I knew God wanted me to go full time, yes. But because I did it, I, I did ministry for seven years, uh, full time, well, time, working full time too. And I did ministry, but I knew he wanted me to leave that job, Sister Jess. I knew it. And Sister Jess, I look at the circumstances and I said, nope, I don't have the faith enough to leave this government job to walk off on this job. Because I look at my people I had, Hundred of them say, I didn't trust them enough to take care of me. But that was a me problem. If my faithful trust enough, Cliff, I would have got more and more people to take care of me. So God could not move on that because I wouldn't move enough in my faith. You see where I'm going? See where I'm starting to go now? So when you are sick sometimes, 
and I'll make it plain to you, you have to ask yourself, is it a God problem? Is it a me problem? Now, some sickness God, God will take care of. He will take care of. But some things we do ourselves is a me problem. Thank you, Cliff. It's a me problem. So if I know that I'm diabetic, and I know that I shouldn't be eating all that, the devil didn't do that. That's a me problem. So I pray and say, God, heal me of diabetes, but he can't heal me of diabetes until I take care of my Make it sense to you now? Okay. All right. I'm glad we got that one out of the way. Understand that. So now we understand that. So now when you pray, I want you to start focusing on how to pray, what to pray for, and find out how many mean problems I got to solve. And stop asking God to solve my mean problem. Let's make it plain back to the scripture. So they knew that God told them to build that temple, so suggested. But they got afraid, and that was a mean problem. It was God's problem the king told them that, and God would have dealt with the king if they weren't afraid. You follow me? So as soon as in Exodus chapter, Exodus chapter 5, they trusted God, then God dealt with the king problem. He took care of the king problem. In fact, he made the king help them build it. All right, let's get there. So another thing as we look at it, why we stop is we, because of fear. And one of the things about fear is that it takes us a long road. Fear, anytime it's the word fear, I have lack of faith. So when you say I'm scared, that's a lack of faith. They just can't, they can't exist together. They opposite one another. If you have fear, it's a lack of faith. Because Hebrew, because uh, 1 Timothy 1 and 7 says what, Cliff? And I know Cliff knows already, but God did not give the spirit of fear. Listen, God did not give us a spirit of fear. Where did that spirit come from? A me problem, it could have said. It could have been a me problem. It's a me problem. Oh, you can even go, it's a Satan problem. It's a devil problem. If God say, I did not give you a spirit of fear, and I am afraid. I mean, where, where did it come from? Where did it come from? It didn't come from God. So why is it existing in me if it didn't come from God? So if it didn't come from God, why do I even have this spirit that doesn't come from God? So I got to get rid of that spirit. And the only way you can face fear is you got to challenge it head on. And you, cause you got to trust God through that fear. And if you don't trust him through it, you won't get there. All right. Oh, yeah, I'm going I'm to skip some stuff here because Mark got that time. I think you got that clock moving real fast, Mark. I, I just believe that just real fast that you got that clock moving. I think you sped that clock up on me. But let's talk about another way that we always struggle with self. So we have idolized our life in me. My life has been focused on self first. The reason I worry about what people think about me, I used to worry about what people think about me, Sister Jasmine, Beth, I used to worry about how I look, I worry about this, I worry about how people feel about me. It was all about self. And then because it was self, I didn't worry about it. I said, God said, go do this. I said, no, God, I'm not going to do that because I got to keep good reputation. God said, go ahead and work and tell them people about me at work. No, God, I can't do that because I can't mess my reputation up, God, because I want to be friends with them, God. And God, I got to be friends with them. So, God, I can't tell them about you, God, because if I do, they're not going to like me. Spirit of self. The flesh of this, the idol of self. That self would say, the reason we don't go witness is because of we worry about self. The reason we don't, if we're talking here, this is a pet rally. I get in here all of a sudden, I said, this is a pet rally. I said, when the game start, they, the game start, they beat out behind. We just got a good pet rally going on. And then as soon as Monday come, the game of life starts, so just for minimum, they get, they get beat. 
zero to 100 to zero. Zero to that. Don't even, get, don't even get on the scoreboard. But you get them on Sunday, the boy, that pep rally be all on the boy. But on Monday through Saturday, you see that world out there, your enemy, you go the other way. Look at my brother laughing with a yellow t-shirt. I'm going to tell you, brother. So if we're so strong on Sunday, why are we run the other way on Monday? Why do we do that? Because we just talk. And the next one is, this is important, they lack endurance. They lack endurance. We don't have enough fight in us. As soon as we go through stuff, first thing we say, God, get us out of it. Get us out of God. Soon we go through a trial. We don't have enough fighters in, Brother Greg. We don't want to go through nothing. We don't want to do anything. We don't have that fight that we need in us. There was a lady named Diane Need. I don't know if you remember or not. In 19, uh, she, she swam from Cuba to Miami. You remember the story. Let me tell you about her story. She swam from Cuba to Miami. Get this. She was, when she, she was a great, she, she started swimming. And then in her 30s, she stopped swimming. For 30 years, she had this on. She didn't, she didn't do any more swimming. Then at age 64, she started swimming again. She swim, started again because she failed. She failed when she did in, age, in her 30s. She tried to swim. She couldn't make it. She got tired, blah, blah, blah. Second time she went around, she tried to do it. She couldn't make it again because the stingray, because the stingray, poison stingray kept biting her. A third time she couldn't make it because the coast took her so far out that she couldn't take, make that fifth, eight-mile swim. And so the fourth time, she almost got there, but then it got pulled out. And the fifth time, she made it without a shark cage, without anything. 64 years old, the only person swam from Miami, from Cuba to Miami at age 64. Endurance. 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 And our life, we got to be able to endure. Because Jesus endured. Hebrews, 1, Hebrews, Hebrews 12, chapter 1 and 2. We won't go there, Marcus. Don't flip there because I don't have the time now. But Jesus said, Jesus endured the cross. Jesus endured it and he went through it. I got you, didn't Val? But Jesus went through it. So then, next thing they did, this is my favorite here. Let's talk about how they finished. And I want to talk about something so king that it, it changed my whole life. This has changed my whole life. So three things have changed my whole life since I've been studying with Sister Jackson and Major. Three things changed my whole life. First thing changed my whole life, understand value. Second thing changed my whole life, understand obstacles. But this one changed my whole life here. This one here. This changed my whole life. And they say, I can't get to it, get to it. This one changed my whole life. Let's go to Romans 12, Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, Val. When I understood worship, from this chapter, Cliff, it changed my whole life. So when you look at worship, you got to listen on this part because this is deep. When you look at worship, God wanted them to have a worship built. He wanted them so he could dwell in that temple, and that temple was symbolic of God's presence in his life. It was symbolic. So God said, Major, let's get back to it. God said, before you do anything else, let me be present in your life first, and let me start your day off with me, end your day with me, I want presence in your life. I want symbol in your life. And he said, that's why you got to build a temple before you build a city, because I got to be there first. Whatever you do, you got to go into prayer so God can be there first. So when you get there, he is already there. Wait till you get to worship now. This is, this is wait, man, that's just a tidbit of worship. Watch this, watch this. So we look at worship, right? They say, and so, dear brothers and sisters, plead with, plead with, plead, get, plead, sister, I plead, thank you. Okay, so I look at my glass. I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Watch this. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. Let's, let's, let's not even go to verse 2 yet. Let's watch this, walk this through. Stay on verse 1. You good. Stay with verse 1, Val. Uh, he's saying, I plead with you. Hey, I know New King verse, I beseech you, my brother. But he said, worship is sacrifice. Watch this. 
So in Genesis 22 and 5, and we won't go there because of time, Mark, we're in that clock again. So Genesis 22 and 5, God told Abraham, take Isaac and go up to sacrifice Isaac. Watch this. Stay with me, bro. Stay with me because you've got to catch this. This is deep. So the next thing he said, in the old days, Cliff, you can relate to that. They always did burnt offering and sacrifices. They always sacrificed something, burnt something. Watch this, sister. Watch this, brother. So now Abraham go in. One of, God told him to sacrifice Isaac. Watch this now. Before he went up, Sister Jess, he said, let us go up to this mountain and worship. Follow that. He said, he didn't know, not go up there and sing. Let's go and worship. Isaac knew something had to die, sacrifice. Watch this. You said the Old Testament, right? Watch this. Jesus did in John 19 and 30 when he was on the cross. Jesus worshiped because he gave a sacrifice for his cliff, for Jesse, for Lathan, for Beth, for me, for her, for Major, for, for brother, for that brother, that brother. Jesus gave a sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for you. To God. Follow this. So now when I go into worship, I know this. Major know this. So just know this. I go into worship now because something has to die in me. I, to get something, every time I go and worship now, something got to die. So I go and worship like this now, Sister Jess. I go in there with my pen and my paper and say, God, these are the things I got going on wrong with me. These are the things I need to improve. God, for the day, God, I got to kill this. For the day, God, I got to kill that. For worship, God, I got to kill this. I got to kill this. So when I go back to worship again, God say, have you killed that? Have you killed it? See, nobody don't need to tell me no more about sin. You don't need to preach to me about sin no more. Because when I go and worship, God reveals everything that I got to kill. So now worship is and so when I come in corporate worship, that's what you do corporately. But you want to understand why we struggle in worship? A woman can tell you that because you try to create intimacy on Sunday. You didn't do nothing Monday through Saturday. You try to create worship, worship and intimacy, and you can't get there. And the spirit can't get there. I don't care how many songs I pick. I don't care how many songs I pick. If you don't have intimacy through the week and you don't create an atmosphere through the week, Sunday is not the time to try to have intimacy with God. You got to get in worship. So now that I know that, Sister Jess, because I'll be a procrastinator, Sister Jess, now I know that, I say, God, you gave me this list. God, I'm going to do it because I worship you. I'm going to do it because I worship you. I'm going to do it because I worship you. God, I'm going to get myself together because I worship you. God, I'm going to read more because I worship you. God, I'm going to give you my all now because I worship you. Because, God, I know you're a great God. But you don't need to hear that from me, God. You need to see that. You said, Rodney, how do you know that? Go to Genesis 22, 12. Go there. 22, 12. Genesis 22, 12. I'm going to show you how you know that. That should be what God said. Abraham, now I know you love me. So when you look at that, Abraham will get ready. Look at it. He said, watch this. Don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him anyway. For now, watch this. I know you truly fear me. You have not withheld from me even as your son. See, God, you can say what you want to say, but you got to do something so God can know that you love him, that he know that you worship him. Just singing does not get you there. You got to do it. Abraham could say, God, I did that. But he tested Abraham. The whole chapter, hey, guys, it's all about worship. It's all about worship. It's all about worship. So now that you understand this whole big piece of worship, it's go deeper. I'll make it plain for you. So my kids, right, when I was growing up, uh, Latham, 
My kids say, Daddy, you're the greatest in the world. Where my kids, they are. He said, Dad, I love you. This Dad, you're so super. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I said, okay. Six weeks, I said, let me see your report card. I said, I thought you loved Daddy. I thought you loved Daddy. See, God don't need me to tell God I love him. He want me to show I love him. Just because we say I love you, love you, love you, anybody can say that, show me. Show me. Show me you love me. Don't tell me you love me. Show me. Don't tell me how great I am. Show me and worship me. Stop telling me how great I am. Show me something. Now I know that you love me. Now I know that you fear me. Worship changed my whole life. But we still got to do the corporate. Don't get that wrong because that's what corporate worship and of course we can't confess our sins here on Sunday. But I want you to get used to making the sacrifice and get up early because it's all about time, right? Priorities, right? If you love him enough, you'll make the time. Whatever you value, you would do. Whatever you love and value, you'll do. See, the fact that Major and Sister Jessica know they got to bear with me because they hear me on Thursday night, so they hear some of this already. So what it is, we always walk around and say, I love God. Somebody tell me that, Sister Jessica. We got to all over the place, I love God. I love God. I love God. I love Latham. I love that. Everybody say, I love, 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 love. I love God. But watch this. Why my best look at me crazy? It's a difference saying, I love God, and I'm in love with God. Why this. I love Latham. I'm in love with you. Aren't they the same? See? See? I want you to walk around saying, I'm in love with God. Because everybody, I, I tell everybody I love you, but some people that I'm in love with, like my wife, I say, I'm in love with you. See, my wife will let me say, Sister Jess, I love you. My wife will let me say that. But if I say, Sister Jess, I'm in love with you. You see it, Kim? You see where I'm going? So either we love God like we love everybody else, or I'm in if I'm in love with God, then I'm going to spend time with God. And I'm going to get out the thing God wants me to do. So let's go to Romans 12, 1, 2. And I'm be out of here. Romans 12, 2. Because I'm going to tell you what we've done. I'm going to tell you why this, why, what we've done. Romans 12, 2. You all thought 12, 1. Why 12, 2? Don't copy the behavior and cuss on the world. What we just did. What we just did. Just like the world, tell everybody we love you. In fact, when people cough, we say, God bless you. The world says that. That's no big deal. It's okay to say it, but we'll start to copy words that the world says. And he said, I don't want you to say I love me. I want you to say I'm in. Let the world say I love God, because you hear that all the time when athletes that don't know God, they get on stage, they say I love God. Shall the world say I love God? But I want people that love, that in love with God say, I'm in love with God. And some people say, oh, hard to say that. You see where I'm going now? So let's finish this. So, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know, watch this. He said, once you go into worship and don't copy the word, well, he said, I'm going to transform you into a new person, what you think. I'm going to take you from a frog, a tadpole, a tadpole to a frog. I'm going to take you from a, from a caterpillar to the butterfly. So then watch this, a caterpillar, when he was little, just all he could do is just crawl, 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 and he'd be waiting wait for me to step on. But a butterfly, so suggested, it got freedom, it flies all over where it want to go. God want to get you out of the stage where you've been a caterpillar. He want to get you to the gut of butterfly, but he can't get out of the cocoon too fast. Because if you get out of the cocoon too fast, you are not ready. And many times in our life, we are not ready, and we're running anyway. We say, God called us to do this. God wants to do it, and we take off, and we never spend enough time in the cocoon before we're ready. So we're a caterpillar, we're a caterpillar acting like butterflies. But the, but the enemy knows we're not. Because on Monday, he tell them, get out of the way, Caterpillar. Oh, you can go from a tadpole to a frog. A tadpole only can swim in the water. Where a frog can go from land, water to land. Water to land. See, we bound because we have not been transformed. 
So I'm bound in a location because I didn't, my faith had not been transformed enough to get me clear from here to there. So as long as I'm bound, I'm only going here. I can look over here, but I'm not free until I get here. But what we become, what I call the metamorphosis, we become water. And we know water never transforms. When it's hot in the room, we just like everybody, we become steam. When it's cold in the room, we become ice. When everything normal, we go right back to being water. Water does not transform. So as we look at that, and we understand this, he said this, but I like that, right, transform. But he said, watch this. He said, then you will learn God's will. If you worship, he said, I will show you your will for your life. And I will show you what you need to do. Men up here today don't even know God's will for their life. But he said, if you worship and you spend time writing down, building that, after you build that character and you're ready to go, clear, he said, now I'm going to show you what I got for you. See how he did After you build the character, after you get through taking all this stuff y'all done wrong, clear, he said, now that I got you where you want to go, now, I want you, now I'm going to tell you what I want for you to go do. See, the power of worship, you don't know, if you don't understand what God has for your life, it's because your worship is not deep enough. It's because your worship is not deep enough. I told you, worship changed my life. All right, five minutes. Let's close. Let me get out of here. Five minutes. So here we go. So how did they overcome this? Well, we already know. They overcome it through one thing, worship. We already know. But let's talk about the victory, Sister Jessica. Let's talk victory. So we know now they became obedient. They did what God said. And when they started doing what God said, then things changed. Because before they did, they had a lot of trouble in their life, right? So no matter what happened in their life, it wasn't working. So if things not working in your marriage, not working in your life and all that, you had to go back and say, did I finish what God told me to do? So when things are not working in your life, in our lives, I always go back and say, God, what, look, I need to look at my priorities. Sister Jessica, when things are not going wrong, right in my life, first thing I do is Matthew 6, 33. But you seek you the first. I don't go and say, no, I'm, I'm stopped going to church. I don't get to say, no, I ain't doing that. I say, Matthew 6, 33, say, seek you the first, the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and everything else I need fixed, he would take care of in writing the version. So when I get, when trouble's on my way, I don't, I run to God. I don't run away from God and say, God, what do I need to do? Because evidently, I am not lined up with you for you to allow trouble to keep coming in my life and I can't get nothing solved. You got to go after it. You can't let the enemy told you. You know what, you know what the devil told you? know what the devil's biggest story is? Just, they said, the devil had me with his demons. And the devil said, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. They said, I don't know what I'm going to do with no Christmas. <laughs> Demon said, Devil, just tell them, just tell them God not real. Devil said, they don't believe that. And the next thing, Demon said, Devil, just tell them, just tell them you're going to get them if they go to church. They said, they ain't going to believe that. The devil said, let's just tell them a lie. Said, tell them they all right, they don't need to do nothing else, and God love them like nothing before. And just tell them, keep telling them they all right, they don't need new deal, and everything you speak, God gonna give to you. Everything I ask for, God gonna give to you. He said, just keep telling them that. He said, you tell them that, they ain't never gonna go do nothing. But we have shown, thanks to Cliff, that the promises is not coming to you. That you got to put in labor, like Sister Jess and some of the rest, and the problems, and you got to go through struggle to go get the promise. See, can I talk a little bit? Martha, I know I'm around time. Can I teach you just one more thing about theology? So, a lot of things in the Bible, you got to be careful what we speak. Can I, can I pray with you? Because a lot of things Jesus said, you could do greater things than me and this and that. And Jesus meant that. But you got to understand, Jesus meant that from a context that you're already doing as much as he's doing already. So when you speak that, you got to understand how Jesus spoke that in a context. Jesus always spoke that in a context that I'm, I assume that you spend a lot of time with the Father. I assume that you're going through suffering, Chris. I assume you're going through crucifixion. I assume you're reading your Bible. I assume you're walking in faith. I assume all those things are happening. Now all those things are happening. It is no longer called a miracle. It's called works. Everything Jesus did in the Bible, he did not call it a miracle. He called it works. 
That's why he said, I can do greater works. You can do greater works than me. But his assumption is, so when you get that, understand that. You, okay, I'll make, make it plain for you. So I told my son one day, let me make it plain. Roderick. So Roger got a friend. And me and Roger's father, I said, boy, if you do this, if you do this, your daddy's going to give you $100. Everybody heard. Everybody heard. So a friend went and said, if I do this, Mr. Parent, give me $100. I don't have a relationship with him. See, when Jesus spoke, Jesus spoke from a problem, he spoke from a position of relationship. He just it doesn't apply to everybody. It doesn't apply to everybody. Unless you have that position of relationship, you can quote it all day long like that kid. But ain't no relationship with me. So the reason miracles not happen it is not because miracles don't exist. It is not because we are not ready to get here. See, we want miracles from down here, and we need miracles, but we got to get here like Jesus was to get all the, make the miracles work. See? All right. And it, you just follow me. Oh, Margaret, 17 seconds. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm with Margaret. You know what? Didn't burn my last time. Give me, give me five more minutes, please. All right, <laughs> give me five more minutes, Margaret. Just thank you. Margaret. Good to me. I'm preaching to myself, Margaret. I'm preaching to myself, Margaret. I'm preaching to myself, Margaret. So can y'all excuse me? Let me preach to myself for five more minutes. Guys, talk to self one more time. Self, they had a made up mind, Rodney. I'm just preaching to myself. Y'all can leave if you want to. I'm gonna preach to myself for five minutes. They have made up mind. You got to go, you go. But I got to preach to myself right now. Those people had a made up mind that they were going to do better. We have more discussion and more planning sessions and more talks and this and that. And we just talk. It just talk. It just discussion. It just tea. We might well have tea with it on some, some morning. It just that. It's just that there's no action and just there's no change. I don't know why I just don't start a tea business and just bring tea on Sunday morning sometime. Because there's not action being taken care of. You got to have a made-up mind. Watch this. I'll tell you what. The prophetic Hagar talked to those people. 23 days later, they started building that wall. And when they started building that wall, their whole life changed, Brother Latham. Everything changed. When they start building their wall, the God said, I'm watching over you right now. And he said, hey, God, he said, hey, God, two, he said, hey, God, one and, and two, seven, eight. He said, I'm going to get glory out of this house. I'm close up now, Marcus. He said, hey, God, two and, nine, two and nine. He said, the future of the temple will be greater than its past glory. He said, your future will be greater if you just start finishing around. He said, I would extend your future, better than your past. If you want to renew life right now, he said, get at it now. If you want to renew marriage right now, he said, get out right now. You want new finance, a renew health, he said, get at it now. And your future will be greater than where you are now. If that ain't enough to make you shout, if that ain't enough to make you change, he won't. Oh, by the way, if you don't do nothing, he said, I'm continuing to make it hard on you. Because there's no in-between. You said, I'm doing well, I'm doing well. He said, I'm doing well. And I always say we're doing well. But I guarantee you, one day you're going to need a miracle. See, I'm not worried about if you're going to need a miracle. And I'm not worried about something money can't buy. See, I can have all the money in the world. My kids still can be all messed up, jacked up. See, I can have all the money in the world. My marriage can all be jacked up. I have all the money in the world. My health can be all jacked up. I have all the money in the world. My mom may not be doing well. I have all money in the world. I still got a crazy boss. You see, you see where I'm going? You see where I'm going? You have gotten complacent thinking what God has blessed you with will carry you. You're going to need a miracle. And the reason is somebody will be on midnight hour, got to get one through. But you can't get one through from down here. That's why you call people you think are up here to try to get it in for you. But if you do that, why would you put your destiny in the hands of somebody else that may fall asleep? Right. 
see everything ain't good because we don't fight. We in war. And see, the enemy will have you thinking that everything is good. Like I told you, he said everything is good. Don't fall for that lie. Everything is not good. Everything is not good. God has put demands on us that we got to go get after us. And the man, he tells us now, he has to be first. But here's the last page. We're going home. See, when you do that, your yes is on the way. See, one thing God said, this is what broke me just. Martha, can we do this, Marcus? Last one, I guarantee this is it. He said this, write this. Go to Haggai 2 and 18, Val. Haggai 2 and 18, and then Haggai 2 and 23. And we ought to hear the end. Watch this. Because my five minutes up. Two and two, hey, got two and 18. Hey, got two and 23. I'm going to close this thing real quickly. And we out of here then. But I got to show you this here. I got to show you this here. And the only reason we slow, it, it ain't by our fault. I surprised her. I got to show you this. But I got to let you look at this yourself. Hey, got two and 18. Two and, two and 18. All right. I'm going to copy it down wrong. When the foundation of the Lord, it started when the foundation of the Lord, which verse is that, Marcus? Keep going. It's 2 and 18. Think about this 18th day of December, the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Think carefully. Why this? He said, why this? He said, immediately when they started laying the temple again, he said they had, he said, they started back and relayed the foundation of the temple. Watch what happened. He said, think about when they first laid the foundation, when they started doing what he said. Go to the next one, Marcus. Go to the next verse. Go part. Keep going, Marcus. He said, watch this, I am giving you a promise now while the seed is still in the barn. He said, I'm giving you a promise. If you start and you be about to follow the business, he said, I'm giving you a promise. The same promise you wanted, he says, in the barn. He said, you have not yet harvested your grain. You're right, bro, I ain't even there yet. I don't care what you And your grapevine, your fig, your pomegranate, and your olive tree have not yet produced their crop. But from this day on, I will bless you. And that came from God himself. This ain't nobody told me that he's going to bless you. This ain't no woman told me God's going to bless me. This is the prophetic Hagar that spoke through God, that God used. God vessel say, God said, I will bless you. Mark, go to 23. Let's go to 2.23. And then we close this thing. And then let's 2 and 23. Hagar. And this is the last one. Watch this. If that don't make you shout. But when this happens, say the Lord of heaven's army, I would honor you. Watch you tell Zerubbabel, son of Shittil, my servant. I will make you like a signet ring and on my finger, says the Lord. For I have chosen you. I'm the Lord of heaven. He said, you know what a signet ring was? The signet ring was something they had when they, was a ring the king had, and he stamped it in wax, and there was the king approved. Everything the king signed, he signed with a signet ring. He tells you, Zerubbabel, and whatever you want, you like a ring on my finger, you can have. He said, you can have anything you want because you are a signet ring to me. In other words, you got my ring. Go sign what you want to sign, Zubra. Go sign that somebody shall be healed, Zubra. Go sign that my marriage should be better, Zubra. Go sign that my finances are better. Go make a decree that my life is going to be better. That's when you can decree and declare. When you got the ring, you can declare anything you want. Until then, you were just talking. All right, you may stand, because I'm out of time. Don't think I didn't have more, but y'all not ready for worship. Don't think I ain't got more on the paper. But we'll stop right there. Hey, while I get ready to pray, let's go put the poem called Life, and then we'll close it up. Again, I thank God for each and every one of you all, and I pray to those online. And again, we have several appeals. And what I want to focus on right now, this is an important one, and you see that poem called Life. And last time I read that poem, I remember I said that poem, I said that poem at Sister Jeanette's funeral. And what's so ironic, you all didn't know that, when I said that poem, guess what, just two people asked me for that poem. One of them was Sister Debbie. And the other was Sister Jeanette's brother. And both of them texted me later, because I came in town and they texted me later and asked for that poem. And give on to Sister Jeanette, and since I last time I, and then when it was read here, uh, Ralph Abbey, I think it Ralph Abbey, he said the same poem at Dr. Martin Luther King's funeral. 
So but I want you to look at it. Look at it hard. It's say, because you only got one life. He said, life is, it really called life is only just a minute. He said, I have only just a, I have only just a minute. Only 60 seconds in it. A force upon me, I can't refuse it. Didn't ask, didn't seek it, didn't choose it. But it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but an eternity is in it. So what I want to go with that is, as we look at life, we, we can't take life for granted. In fact, when you wake up in the morning time, you just say, God, why did you keep me? Because so many people dying all the time. And the thing about we can't take for granted is we can't take for granted that we're going to be here tomorrow and next day. So when it gets time for all the time, but more importantly is, it's it, it bad enough to die, but the worst part of dying is not saved. That's the worst part of it. So as I talk to people in here, I'm assuming everybody's saved. And everyone not saved, raise your hand because we're going we're gonna to do the thing. You've got to do it right. You can't play with us. Anybody online, if you're not won't save and you want to give your life to Christ, uh, you can dial 850-862-3899, 850-862-3899, dial that number. But if you want to, you can find me up and you can text me as well and I'll lead you through, the, I'll lead you through salvation and nothing to play with. And next appeal we're going to talk about is church homes. And for those that are looking for a place, you can't, when I tell you to invest in a church, first thing I do, I've been in many churches, trust me, and I've been all around. Uh, the first thing I always ask you is say, how's the pastor? Because really it's the heart of the pastor that makes the church. And you can't speak for, because I've been in big churches, but I've been in big churches where they didn't have good pastors, and they would get you. I've been in big churches where they didn't focus on the love of the people the way striving, focus on the love of the people. And anytime that you go online and say, members blessing members, and people come and help you when you're in a bind, and they do it, don't even know. The people that got a heart to serve, they do it behind the scenes, they don't tell anyone. You just don't know how much you want to be a part of a family. A family knows they're going to take care of you, they'll be with you. And I can't think of a better place for my family atmosphere than be here at Spiral for Perfection Ministry. So do we have any guests here? We don't have any guests? Got a couple guests. Oh, okay. All right, I'll introduce you in a minute. I thought we'll talk about you later, though. But I just want to, if I could talk to you a little bit, I'm going to do a recruiting thing. And, you know, it's just like a timeshare. You know, when you go to a timeshare, we try to recruit you. So I'm going to recruit you a minute at timeshare. You can't find, I don't know how old you are, you can't, trust me, you can't find a better place than where you are right now. People that are going to love you and going to take care of you, and they, and they got benefits. They got good benefits, just like a timeshare. But more important than that, it's more important you're going to get that family love, that growth and development that you can get from right here. They're not perfect. None of us are perfect. But I tell you that they will love on you. They will take care of you. They will be with you all the time. And then you're young, and we got young people that we can wander, and you're welcome to join us on this Wednesday night stuff that we do, Wednesday night youth group that we do as well. But we got a young people club, too, that you can join, that you can welcome be a part of. But, but my next appeal is for those online, you're looking for a church, we'll take care of you online as well, and they do the same thing. My next appeal, last appeal is this, though. I think the whole sermon is something that I want you to reflect on. And let's go back and look at 23 days to suggest that they heard the word of God. They changed. When they changed in Haggai chapter 2, what happened? Blessings flowed their way. When you things are going through your life bad and you're not winning, guess what's going to happen when you're not winning? The sad thing about it, sometimes you win and you don't even know God not even blessing you anymore like they did. God had sent Haggai to remind them, Cliff, that the reason you're not winning is because I won't let you win. So if you're not winning your marriage, you're not winning your relationship, you're not winning that, it may be because God already has done something because he said you haven't finished what you started. You haven't finished the vow you kept with him. And you told him, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You have said, God, when you give me this, I'm going to become this. You say, God, if you bless me with this, I'm going to do that. We know all those, we know all those prayers we say. We, we have done all that. But he's going back and say, you never finished what you told me. You never finished what you told me. So because you didn't finish what you told me, he said, guess what? Things probably going to happen. I don't know. He said, things may happen in your life. And you can't win until you do what he told you to do. So for those that need prayer today, and you can stand, just hold your hand up. The rest can be, you can just hold your hand if you need prayer today. Those that want to pray, just acknowledge that want to pray to do what God, finish what you started. Because strive and finish what they started, and we know what God started with. Because this is what's going to happen, right? Can I, I come real with you? Because you're going to go out here and say, oh, what a great message. But you remember, 23 days later, they changed. So you can do what you want to do, and you can say, oh, what a great message, I'm all right. No, you're not. Because you're going to need that miracle. 
Because you're going to need that miracle. It might not need today, but you're going to need it. You might not need tomorrow, but you're going to need it. Because it's going to happen. So if you're thinking that you could be good where you are right now, and I'm not trying to sell you to, to pray, but if you think you're good where you are, when that miracle comes, he's going to come back and tell you, say, Rodney preached this on March the 20th, 2002, and he's going to remind you. You want to know how you're going to remind me? I'll tell you how you're going to remind me. In 1993, 1992, God told me to go on fast. I was bold God told me to go on fast. And I said, God, I ignored it. Two days later, I heard some kid had an accident. And guess what God told me? He said, I told you to go on fast. Two days later, he said, I told you to go on fast. From that point on, I knew then. I said, you know what? This thing is serious. And I cannot play with this thing. So he's speaking to each other because this is a prophetic word. This wasn't a word where narrative what I teach. This is a prophetic word that God gave me. And it's a prophetic word for me and a prophetic word for you all that heard it. It's prophecy. So prophecy telling you right now, if we don't get ourselves together and become the church God called us to do and, and finish what we started here at Striving, you will, we will hear about it later from generation to generation. So anybody that want to join me in prayer, just raise your hand. You don't have to come up. Anybody else? Okay, I got a lot of hands. Good. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, I come before you, God, and I thank you. God, I thank you for your word, God. I thank you for what you've done in our lives, God. But more important, God, we repent right now in the name of Jesus, God. We repent for being slothful, God. We repent for being complacent, God. We repent for many things, God. And God, right now in the name of Jesus, God, we don't want you to withhold anything from us, God. So we're going to get started, God, finishing what you call us to do, God. Because we realize, God, once we start finishing, blessings start coming our way. But right now, more important, God, we understand, God, that we worship you, God, that we don't have an option, God, but to finish, God. So right now in the name of Jesus, God, we pray right now that... God, we pray right now, God, that we, as we finish, we believe, God, that you're going to have your way in our lives. God, have your way in our lives right now. Have your way in our homes. God, have your way in our marriages. Have your way in our health and our finances. God, we bow down to you. We submit to you, God. God, we start right now that from this day forward. We start killing stuff in our lives that are not like you, God. Killing stuff, God. Making that sacrifice with it. Putting it on an offering to you, God. Realizing, God, that you, that you need to get glory out of it, God. But realize more important, God, that according to Romans 12, 1 and 2, God, that you call it for a will and you call it for a purpose. So, God, let's go make an impact in the world right now, God. Let's go make an impact in the city right now in the name of Jesus. And may your name fly high, God. May your banner, Jehovah, Jehovah fly high over this world, God, high over this land. And, God, may we be the greatest church in Fort Walton Beach, greatest church in America, greatest church. And, God, may we zeal for that, God, with the energy. And, God, you didn't tell an external problem, God. We don't need to figure out how we're going to do it, God. You have an external, God. We have the intern. So the intern of God, we control our time right now, God. Intern of God, we control our attitude right now. Intern of God, we control how we see things right now, God. Intern of God, we control our flesh right now. But external God, you said, God, we don't have enough resources to take over the world. So that's an external problem, God. But right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I believe that, God, we internally do what you call us to do, God, that you will take care of the external, God. You showed us over and over again through the scripture, God, through your world, that you have the external while we enter. So, God, we leave this place, God, but never your presence, God. We, call, we leave with the energy, renew energy of fire, God. Renew energy of God force, God. We renew energy, God, of power, God. And we renew energy of being triumphant in everything we do, God, because we do have victory, God. And we do control, and we do, I mean, you are our God. You are our banner. So because now we walk out, God, I don't walk in my own strength. I walk in your strength, and I walk with your banner. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.